0: it's wonderful to see you all here this morning and it's great to be here thank you team it's just wonderful to be able to start our time together uh, in worship like that and to continue in worship as we open up god's word i forgot my clicker i wonder what you think of when you hear the word work I wonder what comes to mind and i wonder if you as you think of that thing if you think of it also as a deeply spiritual thing i can remember working a a number of uh, jobs through uh, my studies Uh, i was blessed to go and work with my dad who used to cornice and do plastering and renovating that type of work and really enjoyed that Uh, and there are another other jobs uh, that I had that I to do as well in the midst of that one which I must rank as the most frustrating uh, which I thank God for the work but which I found really difficult was working for a company that put together uh, roller shutters protective roller shutters and my job uh, over a holiday period was to put these little plastic plugs in place and so there was one gentleman he would cut the shutters to size Um, and then he would arrange them in their set pattern because the shutters were these rolling type and they would have lines and that type of thing. And I wasn't allowed to touch them, okay? I had to wait and just stand there. And once they were put together, my job was to push a little plastic plug into every second one so that they wouldn't fall apart and which enabled these shutters to fall into a track. That was my job day in, day out, for hours upon hours, putting in little plastic plugs. And every now and then you'd get distracted and instead of putting that plug on the second, you'd skip one and put it on the third. And guess what happens? The shutter falls apart. So you have to pull them all out and start again. Can I say, I wasn't doing that job with this thought in my heart that this is a spiritual task that I am doing for the sake of God and for Him. (laughs) And if we're going to be honest, there are so many tasks that we do, be it formal work or informal work during our week, that just feels like mundane drudgery. (laughs) And we often don't think of it as something that is rather spiritual. We're looking launched into this series called God at Work, Rest and Play, and we recognised last week that God is interested in every single part of our lives. And we often think of those spiritual things as the the, you know, the, the Sunday morning routine, the, the small group that we go to, the devotion that we do. And there are so many little elements that we often wouldn't think of as being spiritual, as a part of my walk with Jesus. And yet we were encouraged and reminded that every single element is a part of my walk with Him. Work, it's an interesting thing. I want to define it again for us this morning. Work simply means to actively involve mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or a result or a task or tasks to be undertaken. So work can can be many things. It can be paid employment, and that's usually the first thing that we think of when we use that word. It can mean volunteering for an organisation. It can mean parenting. It can mean caring for people it can mean caring for a home it can mean studying putting your mind to study for a greater purpose anything done to achieve a purpose or result and so i want to remind you this morning and encourage you that no matter what you do it all matters in the eyes of god and so last week we looked at this we we open up this whole idea and we looked at the fact that work starts with god works dawning had to do with him he created the universe five words into the old testament and we see god created our creative god wove together with genius the world and then he created humankind you and i with with a design and part of that design was to care for the planet and for the animals and to multiply and fill the earth and all of that was given, all of those instructions were given before sin came into the picture. And so work was all a part of God's design for us, even in the ideal setting of the Garden of Eden. It's a part of who we're created to be. And then we'll reminded, in regards to the downfall that when sin entered the world, well, work became more drudgery and more toil than what it was previously meant to be. And we found, we ended last week looking at the fact that there's this tension. We're created to work and to have a purpose and so it can bring fulfillment. But at times it is just hard going. And one day all will be fulfilled in God's timing. But for now we still understand that tension that we're created to work. But oh wow, Monday morning we really don't want to go to work. We know that tension. And today I'd like to focus on the trappings of work. In the midst of this tension, where can we find ourselves? Where can we find ourselves landing when our eyes are not focused on God? Where can we find ourselves? I called it the, the trappings of work. Places we find ourselves maybe feeling quite literally trapped in this, stuck in this, I just have to do it, and so I, I carry on. And on a spectrum, if there, we're going to look at two sort of uh, extremes of the one idea. One is simply being idleness, spelt in the correct term, i d l e n e s as compared to idolatry or idleness, a made-up word, but it works with idleness and idleness. <laughs> we can find ourselves in one of the two. And that's where we often find ourselves in the jobs and in the tasks in the tasks that we carry out and what i'd also like to do this morning before we come into this i'm going to get up jack boar a little bit later twisted his arm (laughs) and after we unravel this i've invited jack to come and to share a little bit about his own experience with work and i guess where he finds himself so I want to take this and make this relevant, and my prayer and hope is that you're able to do the same in the midst of that. So let's unpack it first, and then we'll hear it in the midst of an actual person's life. So let's put our hands together for Jack for, for saying yes, and no doubt he won't be listening much to what I'm saying, because he's just going to be thinking about what he will be saying later, but let's see how we go. We'll know if you're listening, because when you're here, you <laughs> Thank you, Jack. Really appreciate that. So let's look firstly at this idea of idleness. Don't you love that picture? (laughs) The picture on his eyes is these two little open eyes working hard, the picture, but underneath, probably fast asleep, thinking of something else. This idea of idleness in work. Don't open God's word and look at some passages, and we're going to be jumping a bit at looking at some key passages that relate to these ideas so if you have your bibles pull them out if you've got your phones there you've got your bible apps get them ready get your notes and write some of these down you might like to look at them a bit later again in the week as you prayerfully consider this for your own life so there's some interesting ideas what does the bible have to say about idleness in work firstly in regards to just an a logical idea in regards to being idle We've seen a couple passages that idleness leads to po- poverty. Proverbs 1423. Some of these wise sayings says Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Well, it makes sense. It's quite logical, doesn't it? If all you do is sit around and talk, unless you're paid to do that. <laughs> unless all you do is sit around and talk and not put your mind to work, well, there's not going to be any reward or payment for that effort. So idleness, just as a logical sense, leads to poverty. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11, I'm going to open this one. I like, this one's quite interesting. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Now, these are words from King Solomon. They're lessons from daily life is, a, is a, the title for the beginning of chapter 6. And so here's an encouragement from verse 6. Take a lesson from the ants, is the encouragement. But he gets quite personal because he says, Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones, is the translation in the NLT. I love that. Hey, lazy people, listen up. Even have a look at an ant learn from their ways and become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler over them to make them work, they labor hard all summer, gathering food for the winter. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. It's interesting. Take... A lesson from an ant, says Solomon, in all his wisdom. So just as a logical idea, idleness leads to poverty. We need to work. But let's continue on, because God encourages us to use our gifts to work. Come to Matthew 25, from verse 14. The parable here is told that Jesus shares. I'd like to read it from Matthew 25 from verse 14. Now Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven and he says the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another and one bag of silver to the last dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used their money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said master you gave me five bags of silver to invest and look look i have earned five more the master was full of praise well done my good and faithful servant you have been faithful in handling this small amount so now i will give you many more responsibilities let's celebrate together the servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest and I have earned two more. The master replied, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate i was afraid that i would lose your money so i hid it in the earth look here is your money back but the master replied and these are interesting words you wicked and lazy servant if you knew i harvested crops i didn't plant and gathered crops i didn't cultivate why didn't you deposit my money in the bank at least i could have gotten some interest in that Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. Interesting, verse 29. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of of teeth. Wow, it doesn't spare any punches here. It's pretty pretty to the point. And we see a story here and it's quite clear. We have a master who goes on a holiday and certain people are, are gifted different amounts, in, in some money in regards to their abilities. And as the master comes back, they present what they have used to him. And the, the master is pleased and praises those who have used what the master gave to them but for the one who was afraid who sat and did nothing you lazy servant in other words not only says that he was chided but it says that what would he had would be taken and given to another interesting there's this idea that god encourages us to use what he has given us however small however great for his work remember that the money was the servant's So the the people were using the servants' money, sorry, the servants were using the master's money to do his work. And so the one who sits and does nothing, well, even that gift, even that ability is taken so that the one who is placing their attention, giving their attention to God's work is able to do more. And so God encourages us to use the gifts that he gives us. However small, however great, wherever you may be the encouragement is simply to take it don't be afraid step out and use it to do god's work so there's this logical idea that idleness leads to poverty there's this truth that god encourages us to use our gifts for his work then in the new testament in two thessalonians three chapter three from verse six in verse 10 paul encourages the believers to work in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, verse 10, he even says, those unwilling to work will not get to eat. That's interesting. <laughs> those who are unwilling to work will not get enough to eat. You might say, Wally, that's a bit rough. Really, because w- well, what about those who are not able? Who, ah, it's not talking about those who are not able, those who are not willing. In other words, laziness is another trend. No, no, you work... You do the hard work, I'll sit back and I'll just benefit from your hard work. That, that's, the, that's the person he's talking to. I'll sort of sit here, you go do your work and God tells you to love me, love one another. Come on. <laughs> that, that's the attitude that's being, that's being addressed here. And Paul also says those who live idle lives and refuse to work, they meddle in other people's business idle hands we know the saying so the encouragement is to do what? Is is to work put your hands to good use and when we think of this idea of being idle at work we often think of being idle as not doing any work at all that that's the that's the extreme isn't it where you don't do anything sitting on a couch couch potato maybe but i would say for the most part that isn't that wouldn't be you Our current society the society we we live in values being busy do you notice and when you when you meet someone oh how are you yeah yeah really good what have you been up to and most of the time you will say oh yeah i've been busy (laughs) i've been busy we there's something in that statement that yep i've been busy i'm doing something with my life We, we value being busy and being productive and so the, the reality in this is that for a lot of us, being idle may not necessarily be not doing anything, but maybe it's not being willing to work even while we are working. I read this little uh, interesting article. It was titled, uh, Richard Branson and Sleeping Employee. says this, Having a boss catch you sleeping on the job is an employee's worst nightmare, but can you imagine if they took a picture too? Virgin Group founder Richard Branson did just that and on a visit to the Virgin Australia offices (laughs) discovered this. He writes, I popped into the office and the airport to say hello and check in to see what the team was up to. However, this guy wasn't up to much at all. And there's a photo that he's taken of an employee sleeping of the job. And it has him standing beside the employee going like this. This is, I caught him sleeping on the job. Wow, did he get a shock when he got up? The billionaire wrote. He must have thought he was dreaming because he went straight back to sleep. <laughs> I wonder if you're working with your eyes wide open, but if you're actually sleeping on the job, disengaged. Doing what has to be done. Now, I need to give credit to this employee, because it even writes here, to be fair, this employee was on standby, getting some much-needed rest. So maybe, just maybe, he had been working so hard, all he was doing was getting a kipper in between hours. But it's a funny illustration just to say that we can do our physical Work. we can be physically present but mentally vacated we can go through the motion so to speak and in reality what we're saying is that we're we're not placing any personal importance on the work that we do we don't see this job or this task as important we don't see it as bringing value be it to my life or to the world in which i live Maybe you work a job or you do a task or you care in a way that just doesn't feel like it's bringing value. And so you belittle even yourself and the job that you do and the thing that God's called you to. Maybe you see it as simply interfering with the important things of life. I'm just passing time. I just need that paycheck to get on with the real things in life. It's just a means to an end. But there's no importance placed on the work being done so to bring that home what do we do if we find ourselves in this place i'd like to encourage you here this morning i hope you may be reminded that the work you do is important now how small it may seem all types all kinds of work is valued by god and it brings him joy think of those servants It brings Him joy when we do well with what He has given us, however small, however great. And as we put ourselves to that thing, as you give yourself to it, He will reward you for that job well done. He will create more opportunity for you to continue to work for Him in that place. So I wonder, do you find yourself here? Or do you find... more likely to be here (laughs) idleness or idolatry at work now if idleness is about not caring enough well this idea is about caring too much if idleness is not giving enough value to work then idolatry is the polar opposite giving far too much value to work to the point that it even becomes an idol in our in our lives where we find what we need, we find who we are in the work in which we do rather than in our relationship with God. And it's not only that it becomes our focus. Maybe you say, well, no, no, work isn't my focus. I still love God. But often the idea of idolatry is not investing ourselves in the work, but even in the things that it offers. We work hard so that we can gain finance, of course. We work to eat but we work so hard because we're forever chasing that little bit more. Or maybe we work so hard because of the prestige that it gives me. To succeed can, can be a driving force and we can give our lives to working hard for that and for that alone. Becomes an idol when work or the, the consequences of working becomes my, my focus and claims my attention and my worship even above god now this idea of an idol you might think this is a little bit strong And so when you think of the word the first uh, thoughts you might think of uh the way in which we use the word now american idol let's say or very famous people in in our society we often idolize them we often see them as 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 idols you often think of that and think well that's not me Or you might take the the polar opposite and think of the antiquated view of a golden statue with people bowing down and giving and venerating it and giving worship. I mean, these are traditional ways of thinking of this. Right in the beginning, in Exodus 23, in the famous Ten Commandments, God Himself said, You shall have no other gods before me. But what does it mean not to have a God before Him? well from verse 4 and 5 it continues and God says you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heavens or on the earth or in the sea you must not bow down to them or worship them so it's interesting God is saying you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or of any carbon thing and so we think of an idol as the statue but in reality we have an alternate or counterfeit god if we take anything in creation and bow down to it to it that is to love it and to put all our all into it to serve it if we put all of our effort into that thing and not god himself as people can carve an idol so we can set up idols in our very hearts it means imagining and trusting anything to deliver the control, security, significance, satisfaction and beauty that only the real God can give. We can even turn a very good thing into an ultimate thing and place it before God. And so work can become an idol when we place too much value on our work. Misplaced attention where we often can find ourselves defining ourselves by our work or by what we earn or by what we do. Think about that, when, again, when you introduce yourself to someone. What's one of the first things that's often asked? Hi, yep, I'm Wally. So what do you do? Straight away, right off the bat, I want to know your name and I want to know what you do. And the moment we hear what the person does, we automatically place them in a category of value and of worth. Oh, okay, yep, you do that. Oh, you do that. Oh, great, come over for dinner. You're a carpenter, yep, about to renovate. Come on over, you know. We place value on people because of who they, what they claim to do. It's a part of our society and we, we, we find ourselves trapped by it. Now, this is where it gets a little tricky because God designed us to work, didn't he? So it's actually a part of our identity. God has formed it to be a part of who we are. He invited us. And designed us to walk with him first that's where our worship and our attention lies and our work is as we work with him and so if we find ourselves putting work above God and focusing all our attention there that's when it becomes an idol in our life we're defined by the wealth the prestige or the honor that it brings or maybe even the applause this is again where a good thing can take the place of god making a difference in our world is is a catchphrase at the moment we want to make a difference is that a good thing yes it is fighting for the planet is that a good thing yes it is we were called to care for our, our planet it's a part of who god made us to be but when that becomes everything it can take the place of god even very good things, even giving up and selling all that we have and volunteering, that can become in and of itself something that replaces God in our lives. We can do good things to stroke our own egos, to seem like good people. So this is where we need to be careful. Anything can be an idol if it holds me more than my love for God, as if God is not enough so how do we bring this home i wonder ask yourself this morning has work what you do the tasks you carry out during the week have they become your idol pursuing those things above all else do they take your complete focus are there things you know you need to do to develop and grow your own spiritual life but no they can wait they can wait for later i need to put this is it coming first is it getting in the way of your relationship with god and if it is when we encourage you this morning this week start asking god lord how, how do i put this back how, how do i put you first you see we can find ourselves trapped by the idleness or idolatry of work but there is another way and i want to go to an interesting passage one that I probably wouldn't have gone to apart from doing some reading and going, wow, this is very interesting. The book of Ecclesiastes is a very interesting book. It's in the Old Testament. It predates the arrival of Jesus Christ. And it comes, again, from Solomon, very wise words. And it has within it some very famous passages. A meaningless, meaningless is everything under the sun, all toil, you know, fulfillment cannot be found in anything and in this, in this book the author is pursuing different things in life in order to find meaning, be it relationships, be it wealth, be it purpose and it's all meaningless, says the author finally. But in the midst of it there are some very interesting passages and it alludes to a middle place. Not in idolatry, not in idleness. I've got them here for you ecclesiastes 3:13. we write people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor enjoy I'm not sure if you put that word together with the work that you do enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from god the boldness and the italics were added by me <laughs> these are gifts from god do you see your job and your career or the the effort you give yourself to your home caring the family you look after do you see that as a gift because this is the encouragement that we have the ability to enjoy the everyday mundane moments as gifts from God. Have a look. keeps going. Ecclesiastes 4, 5 to 6. And I, I find this, this, passant, this bit fascinating as you unravel it. Look at this. Fool, fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. Think of the image. This is an image based. Think of that, uh, an idle fool. someone Sitting back, arms folded. No, I'm not working. I'm not putting my hands to, to anything. What does it lead them to? Ruin. Which part of the story are we painting? It's the, the idle person. And yet, better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing of the wind. Look at the last part. Better than what? The two handfuls. Two handfuls full. So this is someone who's succeeding in what they're doing working hard but doing what chasing the wind in ecclesiastes that that's the same idea as for no purpose <laughs> to be successful to be wealthy with no purpose that's the idol <laughs> it's the person who was the one who's in idolatry in work the one who's chasing work for its own sake yet purposefully and the person in the middle is quite interesting, better it says, is this person well, with one handful, So not with nothing, not not with- you know with everything, somewhere in the middle, with one hand, with quietness. And this idea of quietness is this with contentment, with joy, with peace, with purpose, satisfaction, fulfillment. It's a place right in the middle this is the way it was always intended and in colossians 3 23 is a new testament version of this picture work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the lord rather than for people remember that the lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is christ look at that <laughs> work willingly at all that you do and your master is not that boss in the office (laughs) it's jesus so there is another way it's working with jesus coming out of that place of not seeing work and my work as important and not seeing as everything (laughs) but finding a place of contentment and peace working for jesus In all that you do, in every part, in every aspect of your life, this is the solution. A new person, sorry, a new purpose, you could say, a new person for whom we work for, no longer focused on our own selfish means. I don't want to do anything. I'm going to get away with doing as least as I can. Or completely focused on building our careers. No, the attention goes elsewhere. I'm going to work for Jesus. I'm going to work for him. And this is where we're going to go next week as we unravel this idea. I pray that as you go today, though, that you have an opportunity to sit and go, I wonder where I sit. (laughs) Do I see value in what I do? Do I place too much value? Or have I found myself in this quiet place, content working for the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm going to invite Jack. Can you put your hands up for Jack as he comes up? I'll grab a couple of chairs. Thank you for joining me, Jack. How are you?
1: Such a pleasure.
0: <laughs> Do you know what you're gonna say now?
1: To be honest, it would be hard for me to add a lot to such a sermon. Uh, I can only speak a little bit about my own experience.
0: That's what we've got you here for. I want to just ask, firstly, so people get an idea of who you are and what do you do. <laughs> so, Jack, what, what, what do you find yourself giving your attention to Monday to Saturdays? Five days a week. Five days even better.
1: Even though God says six days thou shalt work Mm. Saturday I'll work at home.
0: Okay. Still work?
1: I'm fortunate enough to have my own business which a lot of you know Um, and six years ago I retired from that. I sold the business that I had and I did retirement for three years. That was good and enough and I started a new business. We now uh, again have a small business, and we manufacture medical refrigeration for hospitals for pharmacies for doctors clinics
0: so in the midst of that, how do you find a living for jesus? What does that look like every, every
1: person every person that comes i don 't say you know i 'm a follower of Jesus, <laughs> but I try to Always demonstrates. In fact, every day I pray from Psalm 86 that God, it says there, God, teach me your way. And there's a guiding psalm that I use in Psalm 15 which gives a picture of a person of absolute integrity in everything that he does. His walk before others, his dealings with others, his speech his actions, uh, it's a picture of integrity. And those people, it says, who act in that way will never be moved.
0: What do you find in in the midst of that? uh, What are the tensions? So you you treat people with integrity and I'm sure you're perfect at work all the time.
1: (laughs) No, that's not the case. Some people, as we know, are easy to get on with and some people are, by nature difficult and the difficult ones try your patience Um, and at that time I remember, I try to remember that it's not about me, it's about the way I represent God to those people and even for the difficult ones I try to make sure that we uh, have a fair approach and that we operate with integrity
0: Thinking about the theme, just to jump into this one a little bit more. I, I asked Jack, I said during the message, I, I let him know the theme. I said, I want you to think about some of the tensions you, you would find on that spectrum. Would you find yourself more on the idol side? Now I can answer this. The idle side? <laughs> they, or the but, idleness, the idolatry
1: well side? Well I noticed that um, your very first picture had a beam with a fulcrum, a point of balance in the middle and For those that know me, most of you do, you'll know that I don't suffer from idleness. Mm. Uh, I enjoy my work, I love work. Now that can be a problem in itself because it moves you to the other side Mm. but I try to always remember that work and some people think like this, that work is everything. Other people go further than that and think no, work's not everything, work is the only thing Mm. and that's dangerous. Work is not the only thing. Work is not even everything. But keeping balance, to be honest, is very difficult. And I'm sure every working person will find, even people that don't maybe have employed a paid employment, balance is difficult to achieve.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, if you have a, a boss, let's say, you've got the pressure of people above you pushing you to, to work harder, maybe more than you're able. For yourself, being a owner, sort of a business owner, h- how do you go about to bring that balance? Just really practically.
1: Well, we have what we talk about at our home. Well, I have a boss, and it's not Pam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have. We say when it comes to work, when it comes to things at home, I'm in charge. Or if it's things to do with the house, Pam's in charge, but God's in control. And I always try to remember that. God has given us charge of... Like I'm, in, I'm in charge of work. What I say, I'm the boss. Uh, what I say happens. Hmm. But I always try to remember that while I'm the, I'm the boss and I am in charge, God's in control.
0: Hmm. What's one to finish with? Uh, unless you had some gold in there too.
1: No, that's just silver. Just <laughs> silver.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's one really practical habit, uh, something you actually do or carry out during your week, that keeps you aligned with Jesus in the midst of your work?
1: Well, I'd probably go back to, um, and Wally mentioned the commandments. He talked about the first commandment, not having idols, and. I was reminded just last week of the second commandment that talks about God says don't misuse my name and I thought about that. How do we well represent God's name and I would say it's by living a life that's consistent with what we know of God's name, what we know of God's character. Consistent with God. So not And I can remember my mother, if we would ever go out when I was a teenager, she would point her finger and say, remember your name. It's important. And we wear God's name. So I try to remember to, in dealing with people, in dealing with situations, to act and speak in a way that's consistent with God's name.
0: Thank you, Jack. Can we put our hands together for Jack? It's not easy coming up here. (laughs) Before you run away, I want to pray for you as we pray for each other in the most practical of ways. So, Father, I want to thank you for Jack and for his willingness to come and share a bit of his life with us. I thank you for the way that you've gifted him with the ability to run his business and to do so well. So, Lord, I pray that you continue to give him all that he needs pray for your favour upon that too. Lord I pray that above all else Lord that you enable him to live his life for you. May he be a wonderful example for you in the midst of all that he does. Lord I think of every other person here this morning too. We may not run a business Lord but you have called us to something. Lord we put our hands to something in the week. May it be professional work, unprofessional, caring, school, whatever we do Father as we go out this week. Lord I pray for every single person and for your favour upon them. They see what they do as important, Lord. It's not insignificant, Father. May they see it as something done for you. Lord, I pray that they may go, knowing that you are with them, and that you give them the wisdom to know how to live their lives for you, no matter what they are doing, Father. Lord, we also pray and ask for your forgiveness, Lord, when work becomes our idol, when we place it before you, when it takes all of our attention, it takes our focus off you. So, Lord, give us balance, we ask and pray. As we go into this week, may our eyes be kept focused on you. We give you praise, Lord. We give you thanks in Jesus' mighty name. And we all say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. We invite the team up as we finish up for the morning. Well, I must say, uh, just while everybody's getting settled, one of the things I reckon the millennials do get right, amongst a whole lot of things that they do get right, but one of them is, the, uh, uh, is they seem... Because I'm a baby boomer and I think my, my work balance, the idea of work balance and work-life balance has been uh, managed not nearly as well as, uh, as younger people.